Lights up on a park bench. Lights up on a deck. Lights up. Lights up. Lights up. Lights up. Lights up. Lights up. A podcast by the Ensemble Theater of Chattanooga. Hello, 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 hello. Hello. Hello, Kathleen. How are you, Miss Dana? Oh, you know, I'm fine and dandy. I'm always so excited to be here with you. So, like, if you ask me that question, it's unfair because I'm just automatically happy to be here with you. Chatting about plays. Well, shucks. Well, I like that you said chatting because, you know, Chattanooga, it looks a little stormy today, but I feel like that's very appropriate for the piece we are going to speak about. Speak about. Yeah, we could could do a spinoff podcast. We don't have to tell Gary. And it'll be like chatting in Chattanooga. And it's just (laughs) with Christy and Dana. We're just gabbing. Uh I love um, it. Well, if this is your first time joining us, I'm obviously Christy and in Chattanooga. In Chattanooga. And I'm Dana. Yeah, and I'm Dana. Where am I, Christy? Dana is in New York because she's too cool for school. I just love that you are in New York. Oh, I was <laughs> some no, some days I really love that I'm in New York too. And then, you know, other days it she's a she's a, a fickle, fickle uh Pickle lover, New York. <laughs> oh, well, then she is perfect for our piece today. Yeah, I we think. are going to hear evil about a, 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 a kind of fickle, tricky love story, right? Yeah, so I would love, I know that you have a little bit of personal experience, not just with the playwright, but also in viewing this piece. So I would love for you to dive in a little bit and give us just a, you know, insider scoop, if you will. Yeah, I'm super excited that we have included Evil um, in our, our little premiere season here because I was, this sounds so weird. I don't know how else to say it. I was there when it was created. Um, I know, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, Derek Derek is going to die laughing at this. Derek Van Barham, our playwright, um, was one of my dearest, nearest, closest. We were thick as thieves and we're still really good friends. He lives in Chicago now um, and we'll get to talk to him at the end of this episode, which is so exciting. Um, but he was one of my very, very, very besties when we were in undergrad at Ole Miss. So uh, we kind of like theatrically grew up together as young adults. Um, we were really lucky enough to get paired together in a lot of scenes and a lot of shows. Um, so I've seen him grow as an actor, but also as an artist, as a playwright, as a choreographer. Um, one thing that's really interesting about Evil is that when Derek originally wrote this way back in the early 2000s when I was in college. Um, <laughs> we don't have to do the math. Yeah, no, it's fine. Um, He wrote this with a really um, dance heavy kind of movement inspired blocking and the the entire show is choreographed in a way. So I'm really curious um, to experience this with just the words. And uh, I know when we were going through and deciding to use this play, I said, I think this play can be done as an audio piece as well, because Derek's writing is so good and his writing dances and his writing is poetic. And seeing that coupled with, he, he cast two dancer movement heavy friends of ours and classmates. And I saw this performed in our stage. He did like a little workshop of it. 
we had in Oxford, there was a bookstore that had a little recording studio and a stage in the back. And they did a performance of it in an actual bookstore, which was really cool. Um, and so we got to see the whole movement and the dance of this love story, right? Um, because evil is a love falling in and falling out of love story. Um, and we got to see it, but now I'm super excited for today because we're going to get to hear it. And I'm so excited to kind of see what that does to the words and how I absorb this story now where um, I'm really relying on those sounds to create the images for me. So I'm, I'm super excited to experience this piece in a whole new way by, uh, by a dear friend of mine. Gosh, absolutely. So I know that ETC Act also produced this piece um, and you're so spot on because the visual of it is part of the beautiful um, thing about evil. But I think you're so right. It the the movement, um, the lyricness of it is it's actually in the words. So I'm excited to have that same experience. Um, I really still think that we could turn this excited thing into a drinking game. Um, someone should do tally <laughs> how many times do we say excited? Uh, because we're just we're very excitable people. Um, but yeah. to to get to experience that same sensation audibly instead of watching it visually, I think is going to be such a beautiful thing. So I, that's one thing I'm excited about with this piece. See, yeah. I'm excited. Some, somebody write in. Yes. When you guys, yeah. Listeners, when you write in, our new game is going to be, we need an excited word count tally. And then also <laughs> I'm sure this is going to open up a can of worms of all the other um, things that we are constantly <laughs> Thanks. Well, I don't know. Oh my gosh. Know. We'll get counts of all kinds of things. Like, well, did you know you also do this? Mm -hmm. no. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, oh, and I just had something else I was going to say about evil, but I got too excited with our, uh, word count there. But <laughs> I forgot, but I think this is going to be, um, oh, we're talking about a piece that this piece was originally written to really showcase movement. And here we are kind of pulling it back and really showcasing the words. And I think that speaks to so much of what we are trying to do with this podcast for anybody who's new and joining us. Um, it's really, we're in this, in this new time of redefining art and doing things. And I'm in New York and you're in Tennessee and we're interviewing, we're going to be talking to Derek who's in Chicago and kind of creating this new world and this new connectedness through art. And so I, I love that this piece um, is established in some ways. It's unpublished, but it's established. But we're going to get to kind of strip it back and, and spin it on its head. And I think, I think it's just such a great fit for, for what we're trying to do and, 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 and view and listen here. So I'm, I'm super excited. Oh, my gosh. I love that. What is that? <laughs> uh, I think we're up to like 47. I'm just kidding. Okay, great. Let's, <laughs> should we say it three more times and make it an even 50? Um, Will Derek show up if we say excited three times in a row? Maybe, or like, he'll quit on us, you know. Oh, <laughs> could happen, could happen. He's, he's pretty sassy like that. Um, <laughs> all right, well, let's all give a listen to evil. Is that is that is how you say it, right? Evil, evil. Yes, E-V-O-L, which is love backwards. So witty, I love it. All right, here's evil. Lights up on a bare stage. The scariest thing about falling in love is not the falling. We fall all the time. 
Hell, life is a series of stumbles. My knees are strong. No, the scary part is the love because I know what it feels like to fall. It doesn't change. If only love were so true. If only I knew what I were falling into. If only I knew what to expect. He was my everything. From the moment I woke up, he was on my mind, almost as if he'd never left it the night before. The boy stands behind the girl, placing his hand on her head. Like he had stayed the night. He turns her head towards him. They are nose to nose. Hey, you. Hey, you. <laughs> I didn't know you stayed. I wanted to surprise you. I'm sorry I fell asleep. How did the movie end? I don't know. I turned it off and watched you sleep. That must be why my dreams were sweet. What'd you dream about? I don't remember, but I know they were nice. You don't remember anything? Mm, I was singing. I was humming. <laughs> you were my music. The girl tries to kiss the boy. And then I wake up. He was my strength, my backbone. I stood for him. He stood for nothing. I arched to meet his expectations. I bent to his will. I swayed in his breeze. I rocked in his waves. I hung on his words and clung. Touching his face. To his power. When you fuck somebody, your bodies connect. When you talk to someone, your minds connect. When you sleep with some boy, your hearts connect. Their limbs begin to intertwine. While you sleep, the puzzles of life solve themselves. The pieces fit. And everything makes sense. I breathe. You breathe. We breathe together. He was my music. And the songs all make sense. Two hearts beat as one, together forever. Young hearts be free. Tonight is the night when two become one. Kiss is all it takes. My breath away from the darkness, into the light, my fire. Put it out of my dreams are made of these hungry. I am so afraid of how much I love this. Nothing is perfect. And if everything feels right, then something must go wrong. If two flames join, they grow, but when they separate, does one have to go out? He was my oxygen. I'm scared that I've forgotten how to breathe on my own. I've got to go. Oh, don't go. Do you want me to stay? Don't ask if you don't want the answer. How do you know what I want? I want to tell him the truth. I don't know what you're thinking, and that scares me. I look at you looking at me, and I am so scared that you see what I see. A parasite. A leech. A codependent girl in awe of an independent boy. I want to tell you the truth, but I'm in love. This is no place for that. Ask me again. How do you know what I want? Because I love you. I love you too. <laughs> Hold me. They mm -hmm. embrace. Are you okay, baby? 
I'm okay. I'm okay. But as soon as you let me go, okay, leaves with you. You called me baby. And I call you father, mother, provider, lover, best friend, boyfriend, husband, one, only, strength, passion, redemption, savior, addiction, obsession, affliction, disease, plague, destroyer, consumer, thief, rapist, murderer, antichrist, mine. I call you mine. What's in a name? Everything. The girl tries to kiss the boy. I gotta go. I miss you. I haven't gone anywhere yet. <laughs> I know. The boy exits. He was my loneliness. I wish people fell on love. Because when you're on something, it's easy to get it off. But when you fall in something, it surrounds you. It engulfs you. You can get lost in it. Even when you find the strength to climb out, you're covered in it. It drips from your body. And no matter how far you walk from the scene, you leave a trail. People can tell. You were in love. Years later, you're nervous. The boy re-enters. You bite your fingernail and for no reason at all, you're taken back to that time when you were just as nervous. Uh, excuse me. Uh, hello. I was wondering if you could help me. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm looking for a book. Uh, Faulkner, uh, Sound in the Fury, Light in August, As I Lay. Dying. Uh, yes. Oprah's book club. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, you watch Oprah? Oh, religiously. <laughs> oh, you go to church? Rarely. <laughs> uh, you okay with that? Well, I figure if God's a black woman, uh, then I'm a shoo-in. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad, you know. Faulkner gets better with age. Oh, like pe uh, like people. Like wine. Suggestion? Of course. Skip the package. Buy each book individually, the originals. Why? Books should never be wrapped in plastic. They should be allowed to breathe. <laughs> like wine. <laughs> like people. The girl tries to kiss the boy, but again, he gracefully avoids. He was my hobby. I painted his face. I read his thoughts. I performed his dreams. I watched his memories like reruns on television. And when hobbies became boring, he was my adventure. The boy pulls the girl into himself. <laughs> we shouldn't. Come on, it'll be fun. I know, but I'm scared. Don't be. Oh, as if fear were a switch I could just turn off. I'm here. It's off. You know, I'd never let anything happen to you, right? I know a lot. Right? I want to believe him. Right? Uncertainty is so scary. Right? The boy touches the girl's face. Right. The girl tries to kiss the boy, and again, he gracefully avoids her, which leads into a frantic dance. I concede. I concur. I accept. I back down, even though every ounce of me begs to stop, argue, stand up, disagree. No! But when you're falling, you can't stop yourself. 
You can't stand back up until you... The boy drops the girl. He was my risk. I'm going out of town. He was my chance. The company's expanding. They've got to send out the best guys to lay down the groundwork. And you're the best. I'll be back in a week. Eternity. Are you going to miss me? Already there. I could get someone else to go. Could you? Do you want me to stay? Don't ask me if you don't want the answer. I'll bring you a present. If it's not you, it's worthless. A dress? If you'd take it off me. Earrings? <laughs> would you be whispering in my ear? What would you like? <laughs> to come with you. What can I do to make you smile? The boy touches her face. That? The boy freezes. He wants to go. He wants me to be okay with his leaving. How can I do anything to hurt that face? If that smile were a bottle, I'd be an alcoholic. It's all about manipulation. I do what I think you want me to do so that later you'll do the same for me. But I don't want. I need. I need for what you want to happen. So you win without even trying. The boy unfreezes. <laughs> you always know how to make me smile. The boy and girl start play wrestling. It's like riding a bike. <laughs> so is sex. And I'd much rather you compare my smile to sex than a bike. As long as I get to ride. Oh, you're terrible. You're terribler. Oh, well, I'm certainly more eloquent. And cuter. Cuter? What am I, your little sister? Well, I don't fuck my little sister. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know I'm more tactful, less disgusting. I'm more blunt, more honest. Oh, more complimentary. Why, thank you. <laughs> I'm more giving, you're more handsome. I'm more hygienic. Well, more hygienic? You don't even shave your eyebrow. Oh, you don't <laughs> shave your leg. Oh, complaint counter, are we? Uh, you're rude. Your taste in music is atrocious. <sighs> your bedroom is a laundry basket. And you snore. Uh, with stringy hair. What? cook worries too much. And well, you okay, really that's... call that perfume. Then why are you still with me? A pause. As if he's thought about it before. Then the look, like a child caught drawing on the wall, a, a teenager caught sneaking out, a lover caught with your best friend. Because I love you. But it's gone. Because you make me happy. He's overcompensating, like he feels guilty for not knowing the answer? Because I'm my best when I'm with you. Oh my God, he's quoting some movie with Meg Ryan or Julia Roberts or, or some other twice told tale. We are not a cliche, baby. Don't turn us into a white wedding or a bad first date. We're not Kodak moments and awkward sexual experiences. The only thing awkward about our sex is that it's so good we don't know how to handle it. Just be you and I'll be me. My flight leaves first thing in the morning. This isn't us. We open random books and read passages in dirty accents. We have food delivered and pretend we cooked it ourselves. I won't be able to stay tonight. We read each other's poems and listen to music without lyrics. I haven't even started packing. We make up our own. We eat ice cream with no clothes on and watch the WB. We play on the playground. We don't 
I'll call you from the airport. We don't do this. If I have time. You're leaving me, aren't you? Only for a week. The boy exits. He was my constant. My sanity. I find myself listening to the songs that made me sad, the ones we danced to. The songs he was so excited to download on my iPod without my knowing so that I would be running on the treadmill and start laughing. The songs we made love to. I turn on the television and every channel is the same. The boy re-enters, talking and laughing. My man smiling. My guy talking to other suits. My boy eating at a fancy restaurant. The other girl enters, her arm over the boy's. And they dance, then exit the stage. My trust, dancing with betrayal. Blonde betrayal in a black, strapless dress. She looks like sex, smells like lust. The television has been off for two days. One decision and a plane ride. The Hilton, room 426. She hopes for a look of surprise and a warm welcome. He opens the door. She hears the television. He's watching the same show she had been watching. The boy will mouth the words of the other girl while she says them. Hey, what are you doing here? It's him, but it's not. I tried to call, but you weren't home. He doesn't even try to deny it. I'm so happy to see you. The girl and the boy attempt unsuccessfully to dance. Awkward moment. We don't fit anymore. Baby, what's wrong? I'm disappointed in you. She wears vanilla and, and reads Candace Bushnell. Her purse has sequins and she buys rock and roll shirts from Walmart? She's not vintage. She's not original. She doesn't even try to stand out. Justin? The other girl exits. You told her your name? She wanted to know it. Does she make you happy? No, and, and she doesn't expect me to make her. It, it's nice not feeling like I have to live up to something, meet some divine expectation. So all I ever wanted was for you to be yourself. Yes, and you wanted myself to be something that it wasn't. He was my last chance. I'm not perfect. My great hope. I can't be everything that you want me to be. My final try to have something extraordinary. I'm just an ordinary guy. You were special. I, I'm sorry, but this isn't going to work. If the only thing that ever worked breaks, what are you supposed to do? Do you want me to stay? Yes. The boy picks up the girl, dips her, and then touches her face. Even paradise didn't last forever. But they did something wrong. No, they were just tired of being perfect. Were we ever perfect? We are now. The boy kisses the girl, and then he exits. Get out. Get out. Please stop doing this. I've washed the sheets twice, but I still smelled sandalwood and sweat. I threw away every CD, but I can hear your voice. Every bite from the fridge tastes like you. Every time the phone rings, I think it's mercy calling. Every stop in my day, every person who asks, every hand-holding couple, get out! If you are stupid enough to let someone consume you,
What do you have left when he leaves? Time. Time to think. Time to cry. Time to dance alone. The boy enters. I can still remember what it feels like. The awkward moment. The boy's hands on the girl's hips. Before your body finds the beat, the rush of excitement. They move together. When it felt so right. They start dancing. The point of no return. When you let yourself go and become part of the music. He was my music. They spin away from each other. And one day the music stopped. They spin back together. The boy's hand forming a gun with the tip at the girl's temple. Lights fade. Hey everybody, it's Gary, the producer for Lights Up. Ensemble Theater of Chattanooga's new podcast for playwrights, performers, and patrons of theater. I wanted to see if you've heard about Anchor. Anchor, the platform that's hosting our podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor yet, well, I am happy to be the first to tell you about it. It is free. F-R-E-E. That's right, free. Um, There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your computer uh, or your phone. And Anchor will distribute the podcast that you create so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. And you know what else? It doesn't cost you anything, but you can make money from your podcast and you don't even have to have a minimum listenership. That's right. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So, do like we did. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R or anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R.fm to get started and create your podcast. And welcome to the dance party that we are having with our playwright this week, Derek Van Borough. So we just listened to Evil. We just got to hear it up on its feet, which is really exciting. And so we have Derek Van Borough here with us. And I have I have a first question, Derek, if that's okay, if you're just game oh, to jump right in. Let's do it. Awesome. Um, because I know that you and Dana know each other, so I figure we'll be unpacking things a little bit as we go along. Mm-hmm. Um, but my first question. I love this piece because there's such poetry and movement to your words. So what was that like to just hear the audio of this piece that was written to be so very visual? It, uh, it was exciting. I, I think it, it did, uh, I haven't uh, touched this piece in, in a long time. And I think it, I was reminded just hearing it, one, uh, how movement centric it was when I wrote it and also, um, I, uh, the, the poetry as well, uh, thank you for using that word. Cause I hear like lots, <laughs> I hear lots of, lots of patterns and lots of repetitions and stuff that, that um, I also think kind of played into the, the visual movement of the piece. So like seeing it 
I could still sort of like feel the colors and the flow of it just hearing the audio, uh, which was kind of exciting because it's the first time I've got to experience it like that. What was it like reflecting on just that portion of it? Were you, were you so, because if I were you having written it, I would be so proud of the visuals that I created. I think they are just so powerful hearing them. I can picture it so well. My imagination was going wild. And what's cool is uh, ETC, we did this piece back in 2009. So I've gotten to see it up on its feet before, but oh, obviously lovely. that's been what? 11 years? Lord. The long so, ago. <laughs> yes. So it's like I was re-experiencing it and just, I loved where my imagination took me. So I didn't know if you had a, like similar experience as the playwright. I, I did. Yeah. I think it's been even longer for me. I wrote it back in 2006 and I confirmed wow. that because it was actually written for a literary magazine that I have a copy of oh my from, from Ole Miss called Hyperbole and it's one of the only plays they've ever published. It's usually um, poetry and short stories and uh, essays and they were like I was like can I submit a play and they were like sure so I submitted a play um, but I think kind of knowing that it was in a way intended to be read before it was intended to be performed. I think that's where the poetry really started kind of invading it from the very, very beginning. Mm. Um, but yeah, like listening to it, uh, definitely like sensory overload in a good way. Just like um, it felt very sort of like abstract. Like if um, it reminds me like just to like throw some pop culture references out, which you can tell from the script I'm a big fan of, but like, <laughs> it was like, you know, like Pleasantville, What Dreams May Come, a little bit of the way magicians move in the Harry Potter series, just that sort of like, that sort of um, really uh, ethereal flow in and out, watercolory type movement where it's like monologue drifts into scene, drifts into monologue, drifts into scene. And hearing it like that, I was really happy with how my brain sort of just easily kept up with it. Just wonderful, seamless, you know, to use the visual of like water, it just was flow, it had a beautiful flow to it. So oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed listening to it. I think in the intro, you refer to it as lyrical, Christy. And that's so, I think that that encapsulates what this play is, um, because lyrics are right, musical poetry, you know, mm -hmm. and that's kind of what this is. And, and um, I, I will pause, I have so many uh, things. I know we're going to have a great conversation about this, but I will pause because I want to make mention of our actors, our readers who we had for this um, particular piece. Uh, I, we've mentioned I have a special relationship with Derek. I know him. We went to college together, but you have a special relationship with one of our actors this week. Is that correct, uh, Christy? <laughs> I do. I definitely do. So I am married to Joseph Tipton or Joey Tipton who um who was the male voice in this piece <laughs> um yeah so we've been married a couple of years and we have a son together so yeah definitely oh my goodness wait that means i know joey right wasn't joey yeah. our stage manager for angels in the long yes. long ago yes i wanted to bring that up so yes derek and i uh we mentioned in the intro have a history together uh from being an undergrad and we have a history it's together. a sorted this is really we need andy cohen to come out this is really um a real We're unpack a lot of, yeah old miss reunion no um but i forgot too that we have a history with etc because you and i were both actors in the inaugural season and then who were our actresses? Um, we had Girl and Other Girl. So Girl was Paige Maddox-Burns, I believe, who was amazing. I could listen to her read this role 
over and over. I just, I just loved it. And, um, and then Alyssa Weitzel, who has worked with ETC before she uh, played other girl. Excellent. So I wanted to make sure we, we did shout those people out. And so it's like kind of a little mini Ole Miss reunion up in here now with, with Paige. Paige was in a ton of stuff that we did together. We all hung out in college and then we had Joey. Can I tell you, <clears throat> I don't know if Gary knew this when, did Gary do casting? Who did casting? Gary and Casey. Gary and Casey. Um, yeah. When when this so this was written for Hyperbole, this literary magazine at Ole Miss, and there was a performance of it at Off Square Books in Oxford, and Paige played this role, um, which I had totally forgotten about, um, and I actually had to play boy, which <laughs> was was not which was stellar. People still talk about it. Um, I think I mentioned that in our intro because oh, actually when I was listening to this. I kept getting the visual of that little tiny stage in the corner of Off Square Books and and using the bookshelves when you do the Oprah's Book Club Faulkner. I still so clearly remember that. So I think I'm pretty sure I said that in our intro. Amazing. Um, well, that was like accidentally sort of my first um, experience with immersive theater, <laughs> I guess. Like, and, and that's. Still how, as I was listening to the piece, I was thinking about it, I thought that was such a perfect setting because so much is borrowed, um, literally, you know, for, for references like Oprah's Book Club and Faulkner and it's, we were all in Oxford and it was the South and all of, the, all of these things, but also it, there's, there's definitely like some Tennessee Williams in there and some other Southern writers that were big influences. And so like performing it sort of like bouncing around this small bookstore for an audience of like 20, who were drinking wine and having snacks. I was like, that's, that's just where this piece is supposed to live, I think. <laughs> it, was, it was really special. And, and I think, <clears throat> and I wanted to get into this too. We talked about, you mentioned you're very into pop culture. That's something that to me, knowing you as a person and an artist is just kind of in the fabric of your being. You're someone who uh, you can always depend on for a music reference, for a, a movie, for a, a recommendation, for movie, TV, music. That's so, I think, part of your being. And so that comes through very clearly in this writing. Um, and I just wonder if how you look at it now, I think all of the references still kind of stand up. It still <laughs> holds up to this, it still holds up to this idea of it feels to me. It feels like very young love, mm -hmm. um, like this this ob obsession, infatuation, kind of like literally that we talk about the falling into love, um, and yet you have these references that <clears throat> still kind of live on uh, and made sense, or at least to me, maybe because they were references that we got or and, and of our age. But um, it seems to fit the the rom-com young love story niche of like being consumed by love mm -hmm. um and and i just wonder if if looking at it now if you were to write a piece like this again how would that uh change for you because i know you you know you've been in a long-term relationship for a long time and um, personally, things have changed, so I don't know if if the idea of a pop culture love still resonates with you or not. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I th I think uh, things from this piece that are still super inherent in my work are, are definitely like um, like flow and movement. Like I I really really love 
like almost like words like tripping over themselves like just not not quite stream of consciousness but um like stream of um intention or something just it's something a little more visceral than stream of consciousness and uh both in stuff that i i like to direct and and, and choreograph now like I, I still bring a lot of pop culture references into that um listening to this piece it, it definitely was I, I was like it felt like i was um like seeing my 20 year old self and I was like, and I wanted to approach him and be like, so I read your play. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, if, if I remember correctly, timeline wise, what this sort of moment was, like when I started listening, I was like, oh, I had obviously like just gotten into my first relationship and was trying to personally for myself articulate my feelings on love. And that's what a lot of the monologues are, I think, is my just sort of like, uh, slightly elevated like journal dribbling of uh of like like lists and words and almost like um you know different turns of phrases and uh of just trying to like articulate what these feelings were because for me i think this if this were was 2006 it would have been like a year after coming out um like a year or two into college which is where i feel like i really found my footing as an individual so a lot of this is just that like pinup first expression you know like some of it doesn't even feel like 20 year old me some of it feels like 16 15 year old me like things i had like wanted to say and i and i sort of just like threw a lot of it out into this um and so structurally like i think i still write in a similar way of just that sort of just uh, like hearing it like i speak it to myself out loud i think that's also my background as a um performer as well is just needing to like understand how it's going to be in someone's mouth versus just like words on a page. You mentioned uh, hearing things in and speaking out loud and hearing things in, in the actor's mouth, in the character's mouth. Um, and I know from knowing you that you have such a strong background in forensics, which is some people may be familiar um, to as, as debate, right? So you did, you Speech competed in that. Yeah. yeah. So you um, competed in that in high school and in college and through mm -hmm. undergraduate. And we've seen, like you see it in television sometimes and it's where the kids are standing behind these laptops and they're speaking at breakneck pace and, and kind of doing this kind of crazy uh, fact-driven but super fast uh, speech. And I know that's not necessarily as fast as you guys did, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, there were some theatrical elements to that. So to me, a lot of this, um, verbal energy in your writing makes uh, and wit and turn of phrase makes a lot of sense. But can you talk to us about how you found your way into choreography and movement? Because if I remember correctly, um, that's something you kind of found uh, your way into in college. And how did that creep into your writing? And, and how did that kind of marry and blend for you as an artist? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think. Um... The, this ties into pop culture referencing a little bit as well. Like, I think for me, the way, uh, like, there there wasn't really, like, I had speech and debate first. So all of my sense of um, theatrics was very much through that speech debate, like, interp lens. Like, we don't have to do a full play. We can do a 10-minute version of that play and sort of deliver the essence of it to someone. And, and, and now that you've brought it up, like, I'm like, oh, this is structured like what we would call a duo, like a two people real quick and snappy. And then that third character comes in and ruins everything. Um, but, uh, and then, so like at Ole Miss is where I really first started getting sort of my onstage bearings. And I think I realized really quickly 
um, that I had an interest in writing and possibly directing and choreographing. And I think um, it was in our like sophomore studio class when I realized that uh, our university and uh, Jen Mazinka, one of our professors uh, offered movement composition. And I just became really, really interested in that. Um, and, and it's something I've sort of held on to um, my entire career is like, like I, I can be hired as a director and a choreographer, or I can just choreograph a piece, or I can be a movement director for something, uh, which is a, a, a sort of gray area of the field that I'm super drawn to, you know, like, how do we elevate what we think of as straight plays uh, with movement, you know, to somehow like abstract them or heighten them in some way. Uh, I think there's just an, a great physical vocabulary that vocabulary that we often forget about. Um, and this was one of the first pieces that I feel like I actually sort of wrote it into, you know, when Gary was doing the stage directions, I was like, oh yeah, I was like, one, I I'm incredibly clingy and trying to direct a piece as a playwright by putting all of those little tidbits in there. But then I remembered the staging of it, you know, when I, when I first saw it and it, some of those monologues are really sort of like interpretive dance pieces or something like there's something to the way that it's structured that I think I just I, I knew it had movement in it and I wanted to make sure that wasn't missed so I put it on the page um, and you know and if whoever wants to take this and run with it and change it like great I, I just think it's important to know that it's sort of really important to the um, sort of dreamy landscape of it uh, that's almost like cinematic in a way because again, not really having theater until college, a lot of the references I bring with me, I think, uh, to the way I write and the way I direct for sure are definitely like cinematic references. Like it feels like it's edited to be, like in a way it feels like a music video, like something a little looser than a music video, but it kind of has that intention. Have you always visually, that's what it appears like to an outsider that you, like hear something or get an idea and it comes to you visually first um, in both your performance and your writing. Is that me putting something on you? Um, is that true? And if so, have, do you always remember being that way? Have you always been kind of imaginative, picture, graphic, color driven? Yeah, I think so. And, and, and uh, I think part of that comes from some of the background stuff we've touched on already like I was very much like a stay inside all day and watch tv watch movies tie my mom brags that you know I was like such a good kid and she could just leave me in front of the tv for hours and I would be totally fine and you know that that's its own separate conversation but with that I think I just sort of started um like cataloging you know like the opening of this piece I feel like I probably had like three or four be it like music videos or like songs that came to mind just things I could sort of see the way that I, I wanted it to flow. Um, but yeah, I think definitely sort of visually driven first. And part of that is not, because I, because I don't write a ton. Uh, and when I, when I do write, I, I try to really focus on just that because I know I have a tendency to direct a piece as I write it. Uh, so I'm very conscious of that, of trying to just like write something and not like, and Matt, I, I have trouble letting go of already seeing it on stage when I'm writing it. Because if I already see it on stage, then I start like editing it in a certain way that's like, oh, well, this is just how it's going to be directed. Like, uh, um, Well, and that kind of goes into a question that I was going to ask. This writing style, do you feel like that's consistent with other things that you've written? I mean, would you say this is sort of your, your niche as far as playwright style? Or was this like a one-off, this 
was just for this piece? Um, I think I didn't know it at the time, but I think this is very indicative of, of stuff I've written since. Uh, the two big things I think are the um, sort of the lyricism of the uh, of the monologues, specifically the list. Like I was like checking them. I was like, oh yeah, there's one that's like connecting song titles. There's one that's like a list of, I was like, oh my God. Like I, I, like I couldn't believe like how, how quickly it all came back because it's still just the way my brain works. So I think it's there in the structure of the monologues. And then in the scene work, I'm a big fan of just, I mean, for lack of a better, just like cue pick up. So sometimes I just write it in. I, I like, I just delete the last word of the sentence. And I'm like, you, you, you start that next sentence. There will be, there will, there will be no pause. Like, I, I really, really love the audio recording. But when I saw it was 17 minutes long, I was like, why the hell is it 17 minutes long? This is a 13, <laughs> this is a 13 minute piece. <laughs> I, I'm having a fit right because I just got a flashback to our acting studio some moment and I can't remember who or what maybe it was a show but someone took a pause and I think you had such a fit you were like we used to sit next to each other we were bad kids we would sit next to each other in the back and we write notes to each other in our notebook <laughs> and I think I'm just having this memory of you losing your ever-loving mind over someone taking a pause that three trucks could have been <laughs> I just, I, that, I'm having a flashback to that moment where, yeah, you, that makes a lot of sense, and that tickled me pink there, but you like Good. a quick pace. <laughs> I do. Well, and, and not, um, you know, and I, you know, I, lo I love my Pinter, and I love my Shepherd. Like, I love, like, like I, I'm a big Annie Baker fan. Like, I get the need to, like, indulge, but, I, but I, 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 and again, this is, this is just, like, me compartmentalizing you know, like trying to direct it while I write it, but also sort of like understanding how I would perform it as a performer. So it's, it's a lot of hands in the pot. Are hands in the pot? Hands in the pie. Yeah, where do hands go? Uh, all that ruins the pie if you're gonna put a hand in it. <laughs> Wait, where, where do you put hands? A lot of hands in the... What is not that on anyone else right now, <laughs> unless they're gloved and sanitized. Isn't there a saying about having a lot of hands in the fire? There's too many cooks in the kitchen. Okay. <laughs> too many irons in the fire. Oh, Lord. Um, so, yeah. There's so... cooks in the kitchen. There's irons in the fire. <laughs> okay, There's good. birds, two in the hand and one in the bush. Yeah, so, uh, so, so sometimes okay. I get too many birds in my hand. And, but, I, but I think, um, for, uh, I, I just think one of the ways I, I, I write sometimes is to, like, uh, I don't know because I, I'm, I tend to write in such a like feverish way, just anything. And, and also, uh, you know, and some of this is like self-judgment and it's not about this piece specifically, but just like in general, I feel like lots of times when my words slow down, they fall apart a little bit, um, just in terms of not sounding super realistic because it's not realism, like it's just not, you know? So, so if it slows down to like a sort of like indulgent, like living room pace, like to me, it's, it starts to fall apart and, and and you know if i'm also like directing in the room i that's something i always have an eye on i'm like oh no like i can fix that writing wise or like no i think it just needs to to clip along a little more quickly like the characters are tend to be i think uh like so like smart or uh smart but not necessarily thoughtful it's just like the line is here i'm gonna say it like like i don't like it just i mean it's not shakespeare it's i'm not saying that but it's like yeah yeah. She moves. She likes to move. 
you're a, you're a, you're a West Wing newsroom kind of guy. You want it walking in and talking, and you want that hallway. Yeah. Walking and talking. Well, because the, that I think, um, because it also implies that there's more going on than what's being said. And I really, really like that. Like th th that to me, like when the dialogue's clipping along, like I assume like actions are being done or there's something in the atmosphere or there's something about the mood, there's more to it. If we're just like really slowing down and just chatting, like it's like that's Annie Baker to me is that that feeling of just like every word my words are not important I guess is what it's like as important as uh I don't necessarily ever want them to be the focus mm. well like, and that speaks that speaks I think to to how heavily you feel uh visual and movement as well you, yeah, you yeah. know that there's something else going on this is obviously a, a very gendered like boy meets girl boy cheats on girl kind of uh young love romance and you mentioned that you were just coming out around the time you wrote that um would you and I know a lot of the work that you do in Chicago and we should definitely get into that as a director choreographer and in, in arts administration you've really done so much amazing stuff there um a lot of what you've done too has been for the LGBTQ plus community mm -hmm. um how do you feel about this being like a pretty gendered show would you rewrite a new love story um for that community I had a feeling this would come up and I and I'm still I still don't quite know the answer my answer to it I I, I guess I'm sort of of two minds about it like one um right now I don't think I would sort of have the odd the audacity like, like 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 I don't I don't feel that I personally should be writing like a female-centered story right now like I don't think like I, that's some you know in terms of like authenticity and who who's telling what story like at this point I think I've sort of figured out my own stuff enough to like kind of know like one, what I'm interested in writing about, but what I have this sort of frame of reference and life experience to actually write about. So like, I do think I, I, I definitely like glommed on some of what I was going through personally onto the character of girl. Um, but in a way, to my ear, it's still, parts of it, and maybe it's because it's personal, but it still feels like slightly queer to me in a way. And I think it's it's part of it. it's the movement that I know is sort of part of it. Um, it also, it just like, it, it sort of just lives in this world. L like, I feel like either of these characters, like it could have, um, sorry, I'm rambling. The second woman who comes in, like could have as easily been a second man, I think. Like, like, yeah. like I think there's something <laughs> sort of fluid about all of it. I also think you could totally cast this show any way you wanted to. I think girl and boy were sort of like early playwriting crutches and also just like identify, one, it was a fear of uh, using names, but two, it was just like, I was like, okay. that Like I knew it was also kind of being considered for the 10 minute play fest and the kind of actors we were gonna be looking for. So I was just trying to like help out. Like, I don't think I would have put girl and boy I certainly wouldn't do that today. I'd actually, now that we're talking about it, like I kind of would love to hear it with two women or two men or, or, or just flipped or, you know. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's great. And that's interesting. And it's funny when you said, it still feels a little queer to me. I 100% agree because the only reason this came across as gendered to me was the character name. Um, but you know falling in love with someone and that first love is so universal I don't know if it really requires gender if you felt that feeling you felt it but but when you said that I had a flashback to when I was in the movies and I saw call me by your name and I went by mm -hmm. myself and 
I am, you know, heterosexual white woman, <laughs> cisgendered white woman. But I had, it had been a long time since I had been that gutted and felt personally affected by a love story of these, of these two men that I do think there is room for, for all of us to feel empathy and connection and longing with a love story, regardless of, of where it sits on the spectrum of, of, of gender and, and um, sexuality and things like that. But I, it's just really lovely to hear you have that response. And, and I do want to say to you that it, it does feel like a universal love story to me. Good. No, I, I 100% agree with you. And uh, also I think the youthfulness of it is so universal as well, because I felt, I found myself identifying with so much of it, you know, I'll be closing on 40 in a couple of years, but I just, you know, to, I had a same experience, Derek, where you talk about almost like flashbacks, but it's, it's, I didn't write this. It's not like I was flashing back to anything other than my own experiences and my own um, notion or, or romanticizing love, I guess is the way to, to say that. So I, I even think from that standpoint that you just hit on some such common themes in people's life as we start understanding what does love really look like? And how do I show that? How do I share that? How do I experience it and all that? I'd love to hear about some of the work you've been doing and where you think theater is going, especially now that we've had to kind of reinvent because of, of this pandemic. Uh, first, thank you for the very <laughs> kind things you, you you buried in there. <laughs> um, you know, I love, you know I, I love you so much, but Derek doesn't tolerate my, my pure saccharine emotion. Uh, these are good questions, and certainly things that have that have been on my mind a lot. Um, so, you, you know, to I guess I, 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 speaking for where I'm at personally right now, and where my sense of where Chicago is at right now, and I would assume it's sort of, you know, is radiating sort of throughout our industry in every in every city. Um, but there seems to be we're talking a lot right now about uh, these like. T twin pandemics, you know, where I feel like there's this, there's this moment of, because of COVID, of us sort of shutting down and not being able to perform, but also that kind of uh, combined at the same time with this, this, this reckoning about, uh, about race and inequality. While we're in this pause, it, 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 it seems like we in Chicago are doing like a, a ton of um, reflecting and kind of like closet cleaning, like, like, a, you know, a lot, a, a lot of things are starting to come out about artists and artistic directors and um, performers, just uh, people kind of coming forward with their uh, accounts of things that either recently happened or sort of things that happened over the course of years. You know, it just it, it feels like there's very much this big sort of exhale happening. And so what my hope is, is that when we do get to perform again, and we will, that we will be coming back to safer, rooms, um, more inclusive, more diverse rooms, um, and also uh, that we start to value time more than, if not equal to, to, to money, you know, like, like a, a, there are lots of conversations being had about compensation, but also, you know, our 10 out of 12s being absolutely insane, you know, like, I, I think, uh, so many of us had this uh, just go, 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 go mentality, which I know I certainly had that suddenly like stopping is just the, I, like, I can't imagine returning to the environment we were in, you know, even though we were having fun and we were making great 
plays and musicals and, and, and having a good time, a lot of it um, was sort of damaging and unhealthy. So I, so I hope what we end up coming back to is um, something that is just, just more healthy, uh, you know, and, and spiritually and psychologically and emotionally <laughs> supportive, um, because I think we'll be better for it and the work we produce will be better for it. I love you, I love you, I love you, and I could talk to you for hours on end. So this has been such a treat for, for both of us. So thank you. Um, I love you. But... <laughs> and and um, Christy, we're slowly falling in love. I feel it already. <laughs> uh, be before we leave the piece, could I mention one thing about it? Yes, please. please. I, I, I totally want to change the ending. The ending bugs me so much. What is your favorite word? Imperial. What is your least favorite word? Crucible. That's not true. I love that word. I'm, I am a liar. I am a liar. Um, <laughs> uh, this is going to be great with you. Oh man, I don't, uh, least favorite word. I don't, I, like, my brain is saying moist because everyone hates that word, but I actually kind of enjoy it. Um, what do I hate? I'm looking around the room as if, like, my room is just full of words or something. Um, pass, and then I'm going to yell it later in the questions. Perfect. Okay. What is your favorite app? Spotify or Goodreads. I'm, I, I love um, curating so much. What is your favorite or your most used emoji? Uh, a rose because I, I have a secret um, message thread with a few other humans and we refer to ourselves as House Tyrell from Game of Thrones and I am Diana Rigg. What is your favorite board game? Um, growing up, I, I, I loved like the, the sort of like the world of Clue. It's like, it's my favorite game um, to like put a, uh, to put like spooky music on in the background. Like it, it's just a fun little atmosphere. So Clue. Sweet or savory? Savory. Window or aisle seat? Window. Dolphins or koala? Koala. Dark chocolate or milk chocolate? Dark. Summer or winter? Winter. Name a dessert that you don't like. Is there such a thing? <laughs> <laughs> that will be my answer. <clears throat> um, a dessert I don't like. Um, hmm. Rice pudding came to mind, but I think that's just because I've never had good rice pudding. I'm convinced it's good. I just, I don't, I've never had it. What is one superpower you wish you had? Uh, pr probably, uh, I feel like tele telekinesis would be the, the most useful. Um, I, with a little telepathy, like that would be great. What are three things you can't live without? Uh, uh, Spotify, but to not, like, I feel like I'm working for them and like, uh, <laughs> like okay. um, you can listen to Lights Up on Spotify. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so like uh like music i i think it, it all uh comes from a, 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 a i'm so afraid of being bored so like i like old lady bag stuff around with me like i've always got like a book a magazine and my phone so i can play music so that's what i'll say a book um so a, a good book um the latest entertainment weekly which is now entertainment monthly and um my earbuds so i can listen to podcasts and spotify Oh, and Kevin. A... I should have said my partner, Kevin. <laughs> so if you had a tattoo, what would it be? Or if you have tattoos, tell us about them. Oh, sure. I have a few. Um, I have, 
Um, so the first one I ever got, uh, I had, God, we were all young ones. I got, I had a, I put a tree, a, bear, a, a barren tree on my hip when I was still primarily <laughs> acting. And I was convinced every time I performed a role, I was going to add a branch to it. And I thought, just thought I was so cool. And I just, it was, um, and then I, I didn't, I never did. <laughs> so, and also, you know, life being what life is, I don't think I've seen that entire tattoo in several years. <laughs> it's, uh, it has disappeared into my crevices. <laughs> um, but I do, I do love tattoos and tattoo art. So after that one, what I sort of decided is I think anyone I was going to get moving forward would be writing of some sort that was important to me. Um, so on my ankle, I have um, my brother's signature who uh, passed away when I was ooh, like 22, 23. Uh, so I have his signature on my ankle. And then I had my mom write... Um, uh, I don't want realism. I want magic from Streetcar Named Desire. And then from Call Me By Your Name in Kevin's signature um, from the dad's speech at the end, uh, we are not written for one instrument alone. I am not, neither are you. And I've gotten, uh, I've sort of like preemptively staked out the last few, like just given COVID, never, like last time I was home, I was like, I asked my grandma to like write something out for me. So like little things like that. Cause I, I think that's what I'm gonna kind of do. It's like my little, it's, it's, it's my, it's my quotes page. <laughs> it's my two arms. And you are stuck on an island. You can pick one food to eat forever and you don't get tired of it. What is it? Probably peanut butter. What is a book or play that you think everyone should read? <laughs> um, oh, I should have this is nothing new. known that this was coming. I lived a year of my life of Derek going, Dana, you bitch. I mean, that was my <laughs> full name. That was my full name to Derek for uh, oh, at least a year of my life. That everyone should read. So play, I, um, I'm going to say Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf by one Edward Albee, just because I think it's some of the best scene work in the world and I just I love the structure of it and then book I'm trying not to have like recency bias where I'm like oh well I just read um but oh, fudge Dana I'm mad <laughs> oh I should I I, I, I I skimmed recent episodes and I knew there was like a quick fire Q&A coming but I didn't know that there would you would need recommendations <laughs> from me well, we can just take your play rec. You can you can give us your least favorite word in your book rec a little later, or you can email it to us if you'd like. Could you imagine if I were that whatever that I <laughs> insisted on like emailing a short list of books? No, I, w I, w I will tell you a book that I that I recently read that I absolutely adored. is It's called uh, Red, White, and Royal Blue. And it imagines yeah. what if the son of the uh, president and uh, a royal prince from England got together. And it just, it delighted me to no end. It was, it's been my favorite quarantine read so far. If your life were a song, what would the title be? Uh, serious, but not too serious. <laughs> um, if you could master one instrument, what would it be? Piano. If you could live anywhere else in the world, where would you live? I feel, uh, for some reason, I've always thought I would do well in Australia. Uh, what is your favorite way to rest or decompress? Um, I usually like to read, uh, put on a little music while I read. And I always try to put, um, uh, this is silly, but I always try to like 
find like the right sort of chill music for whatever I'm reading. So like when I was reading Red, White and Royal Blue, like I was listening to like some Brit pop. But if I was like reading Circe by Madeline Miller, like I would put on like some Zoe Keating, very like Roman feeling. Like I, I like basically reading with um, music to complement slash supplement the mood. If you could switch lives with someone for a day, who would it be? Why is Elton John coming to mind? I don't want to be Elton John for the a day. The piano, maybe? Yeah, maybe it's the piano. Maybe it's the piano. Um, and the I also... fabulous outfits. Yeah, and the fabulous outfits. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe we're going to say, we're going to say Elton John, but, uh, but maybe not present Elton John, maybe like a specific like album, Elton John. So what's inspiring you in life right now? Uh, people. I'm, I'm, uh, I've, I've, I'm finding my own internal struggles about like how on social media to be. I think a lot of people are, but, but I am very heartened by um, what I see humans that I love and adore speaking up about. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Uh, take it all seriously, but don't take it personally. What would you like to be remembered for? I, I just, I, my first thought was my bangs. <laughs> but I, was like, I, don't, I don't have bangs. I've never had bangs. Uh, it just, um, I would say uh, for for being uh, gracious and generous, and for leaving it better than I found it. All right. Final question. Describe yourself in a hashtag. The bit wasn't worth it. <laughs> I also think that's gonna be on my tombstone. And now it's time to hear from our propped winner. For this week, we have Just Sounds by Thomas White. I will be reading the role of grandma and we are joined by Gary who will be reading the role of father. Lights up on a father and his mother-in-law standing on her front porch. He is dropping off his daughters. They're both quiet this morning. Uh, she's still upset about the shooting. I'm sorry. She didn't seem like it had even phased her yesterday. Do you want some coffee? No, thank you. Uh, I, I need to hurry. It's the cat. The cat? From the cafe? Yeah, she's upset about the cat. When the kid with the gun came in, he shot at a cat. It was sitting on top of some board games. Poor thing. Oh, he missed the cat, I thought. It jumped, game pieces flew everywhere. She hid the cat in her book bag, and I couldn't see her behind the couch where she had ducked down. Her book bag. I wondered why she didn't have it. What about her music CDs she was making? in the bag. I had to throw them out. The cat was wounded. It bled out in the bag and the, oh, the bag's to the car on her uniform. She didn't tell me until we got home. She wanted to bury it with dad. Oh God. What did you do? I put the cat in the jigsaw puzzle tin and we took it to the funeral home. And I left it in the room where the flowers are delivered with a note and I just have to go back and pick it up. I'm sorry. You better go. She asked me if God was real. What did you say? 
I told her that God is Eric Clapton. I don't know what to do. I'm so scared for them. You do know. What would your father say? That, that, that love and fear are just sounds that people who never loved nor fear have for what they never had and cannot have until they forget the words. Just sounds. I think Faulkner makes a good chapter for this Bible of Clopton that you've started. <laughs> Faulkner, chapter one, verse one. Lights fade. Lights Up is a podcast produced by the Ensemble Theater of Chattanooga, a 501c3 nonprofit independent theater company located in Southeast Tennessee. Lights Up is hosted by Christy Gallo and Dana Colagiovanni. Sound by Eric Red Wyatt. Graphics by Jamie Goodnight and Casey Keelan as the associate producer. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, copied, or presented without the expressed written consent of the Ensemble Theatre of Chattanooga. The plays presented on this podcast are protected by all national and international copyright laws. If you are interested in producing any of the plays featured on Lights Up, contact us and we will get you in touch with the playwright. If you would like your play considered for a future episode or would like to be an actor or reader, please shoot us a message at lightsup at ensembletheaterofchattanooga.com. As a nonprofit, ETC relies on donations and the goodwill of patrons and supporters like you. If you would like to make a one-time donation to ETC, please visit our website for details. Or you can become a monthly subscriber on Patreon and get access to exclusive content. You can also support us by giving us a like and rating this podcast. Lights Up is hosted by Anchor, a Spotify company. The easiest way to make a podcast.